This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, let's stand up and give the Lord a hand for Reverend Ray Bench. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. You, you can be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, a lot of you have heard uh, Brother Ray before, and a lot of you haven't. So this this man here, he'll probably tell you something about himself. But anyway, he's a very anointed, gifted man of God. Been very close to Dr. Barclay, our pastor, for lots of years. He was on his paid staff for a lot of years, traveled with him, preached with him, make things work and things like that. And now basically travels around to churches like ours to, to help uh, bring that anointing Dr. Barclay has for Ministry of Helps and things. And I know that Dr. Barclay, even before he's my pastor, I'd see him down at Brother Copeland's a lot of times, and he, he's the only one there that always thanked the helps team. Down there at Brother Copeland's, always thanked the helps team for what they were doing. And after our church, church we know that uh, we couldn't do what we're doing if you didn't help us do it. So you're helping us, and we're helping get people in the kingdom of God. But anyway, uh, Ray, Brother Ray's out here to help all of us get sharper at what we do. we got Harvest Fest coming up, so I'm very sure we'll receive some tidbits of things to help us with Harvest Fest do better. Ray, welcome back. Hallelujah, <laughs> you, everybody. Amen. Aren't you glad to be saved tonight? Praise God. How many of you have heard me before? Uh, sorry about your luck. Hallelujah. The rest of you, don't leave just yet. Amen. Praise God. Close your eyes. Let's just slow down. You know, it gets to be a busy day. Wednesday night service, been busy. Run, run, run. Go to work. Come home. Clean. Get kids. Throw them in the car. Come to the house of God. Let's just slow down for a little bit. Let's just talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for the beauty of your house. For who you are. The Bible says and we say that you are beautiful for situations. No matter what we're going through in life today, Lord Jesus, you go there with us. And you help us in reaching into our tomorrows and rearrange things for our betterment. We give you praise and glory, Lord, as we open your word tonight. That it will do the work. It, Lord Jesus, causes fruit. It's like the rain that comes down on the earth and it causes the things in our life to work and to bud and to bring forth fruit. We give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you bring a Bible tonight? Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Praise God. I did bring some CDs with me. If you'd like to go back and get those, I, I asked $7 a piece for my CDs. But I am here to get the Word of God to you. If you say, Brother Ray, I don't have $7, I have 4 then I ask $4 for my CDs. Hallelujah. As long as I don't find you down at the mall selling them for $7. Praise God. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, long before there was an eBay, Brother Ray knew how people worked. Hallelujah. So that's all right. But my point is, is that's what I ask for him. That helps me to keep making the next copy, the next copy, etc. But at the same time, my heart, my goal is to get the word of God into you. So if you'd really like it, something to, you know, that speaks to your heart, but you just don't have the resources, then I'll sow the difference to you. Do something. The Bible says, you know, you've got to do your part. But then I'll meet you the rest of the way. Can you say amen? I believe the Lord bless it. The one CD I want to just bring your attention to, and I'm doing some leadership things tomorrow, so I'll maybe hit this a little bit harder. But I have one back there called Focus and Distractions. I don't know about you. I am a focused person now, but I have fought through a lot of distractions. You know, not all distractions are sin. In my life, athletics were a distraction. I used to love sports. Amen. The problem is, the better and better I got, the bigger and bigger sinners I was running with all the time. The next oh, you're so far out in the water, you can't see the shore anymore. Amen. But here's the one that really caught me, and I was teaching on 1 Timothy 4, and uh, the Lord was, was dealing with Timothy through the Apostle Paul. He writes, and he says to young Timothy, who's pastoring this church, he says, Timothy, let no man despise your youth. It says, give yourself to your gift that came through the laying on hands, to the reading of the scriptures, etc. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, you see the distraction? Well, I didn't see it. 
Amen? Maybe you have, but I didn't. And he said, when Timothy began to care what the people said about him, it was a distraction. When you care what everybody thinks about you, it begins to pull you off course with what Jesus Christ called you to do. Amen? And here's the one that really helped me. Jesus walks into the temple. There's a man there with a withered hand. The Bible specifically says it's his right hand, his primary hand. He's withered. While he's there, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are there to see if he will heal on the Sabbath day. The Bible uses this phrase, so that they might have something with which to accuse him. They hated the fact that he worked or he had healings on the Sabbath day. Now, if I had been there, I would have said, well, what day do you boys have your healing services? Amen? When do you get everybody healed? But they didn't, you know, hallelujah. Here's my point. Jesus walks in, and with one eye, he sees the person he's called to help. And with the other eye, he sees his critics who are going to get mad if he helps this man. You know, if he focused on the people who didn't like him, the man with the withered hand stays sick all of his life. Now let me bring that into modern day Christianity. Some of us are called into the children's church, into the music team, into the sound team, into doing things in the parking lot. And if you listen to your critics, you'll never go back and help those kids in the children's church the way you're called to do. And so those kids will stay withered all of their life because the person God called to help them and to heal their life is too afraid of their critics to go back and help those children. That's how the devil works. So I have a whole teaching back there. I just called it Folk and Distractions. You know, I don't want to get into it, but you know your family can be a distraction. You ever go to a family reunion? Whoo, what a trip. Hallelujah. Amen. That can be a huge distraction. I don't know about you. I still get, we have church on Thursday nights. Have for 30 years. Right? I've been with my pastor for 30 years. I get calls on Thursday nights to which I don't answer. Then afterwards I call, they say, what are you doing? I am doing the same thing I've been doing for 30 years. What do you think? Oh, you're in church. Yeah. I'm in church. Why don't you come? Well, I don't want your religion. I don't want my religion either. That's why I met Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You find Romans chapter 12. We're going to talk a little bit about the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. The power of the renewed mind. If you're looking for a title, that's the name of my title. Let's, let's look at this just a little bit and then we'll study this. It says... Paul writing by the Holy Spirit, verse 1, says, I beseech you, say I beg. It's amazing that this apostle says, I beg you. When they whipped him, he never begged. When they beat him with rods, he never begged. When they put him in prison, he never begged. When they stoned him and left him for dead, he never begged. But when it came to getting God's people to get their brains right with the scriptures, he said, I'm begging you to get this straight. Amazing, isn't it? I beg you, therefore, brethren, writing to the church, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you're the Wednesday night crowd. Praise God, you got this down. That's what you're doing tonight. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy to God, and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. In other words, that's no big deal. That's reasonable. We expect that. It's like getting out of bed in the morning. Nobody gives you a gold star because you got out of bed. Amen. So far, you haven't rocked the world. Praise God. Do not, say do not. Do not be conformed to this world. Stop. If you haven't noticed, the world doesn't like it when you're not conformed to them. They want you to be like them. They want you to think like them. They want you to be in debt like them. They want you to sleep like them. They want you to wake up and vote like them. They want you to be educated in the things they want to immerse you in. And if you speak against it, you stand out like a sore thumb, but you're the only good thumb on the whole hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Be re- by, the, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, let's just talk for a minute. Man is a three-part being. It's been said, and rightly so. This is the best way I know how to say it. You are a spirit. 
That's the inner you. And that spirit man is eternal. Heaven or hell, it, li- it lives forever. Amen? You are a spirit. You have a soul. That's what we're, we're talking about, the renewing of your mind. That's, your, that's where you make your decisions. Amen? In that soulless realm. And that's the part that has to be renewed day by day. Praise God. And then at the same time, you live in a body. Now, we don't separate you and say hi to your soul and not your body. You're all you. Amen? If you think somebody's not in their body, they have real problems. Hallelujah. I can't help you. Praise God. But if you thought when you got born again that you got a new body, sorry, you're stuck. You can nip it, tuck it, pluck it, but it's yours. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Do whatever you want. That's what you got. Praise God. Your, your spirit man, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that's the part of you, the Bible says, that behold, you are a new creation. All things have become new. Amen? That's what the Bible talks about, a new nature. Christmas play. Matthew one twenty. The angel comes to Joseph. He says, Mary is pregnant of the Holy Ghost, and you'll have a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will save these people from their sins. The deeper Greek study on sins means their sinful nature. Their... Let me, let me talk to you about it this way. My wife wanted a dog. I said, honey, I don't want a dog. She said, I want to get a dog. My daughter Kendra was about 14 at the time. She said, I want to get a dog, Kendra, and I want to have a dog. I said, I want a dog because dogs shed. I grew up with German shepherds, and you could make a sweater out of our carpet. I don't want a dog. So we bought this dog. <laughs> Come on, brothers. You know where I'm living. Amen. Have a heart. So we got this dog. My, my, my one disclaimer was I don't want anything that sheds. So she got a Yorkie Poodle mix, just this little dog, which my brothers in Christ called the blight on my manhood. But anyways, we got this little <laughs> Yorkie Poodle mix. The beauty to it was it didn't shed. But that little Yorkie, for whatever reason, didn't just want to sit on the couch, but it sat on the back of the couch. I don't know if it's little dog's disease or what, but he sat on the back of the couch and kind of like Snoopy on the, on the doghouse, he just peered out over the whole living room. Well, I thought, you know, just Snoopy half, you don't even know who Snoopy is, do you? I guess I'm getting old. Hallelujah. <laughs> Google it. Yeah. Praise God. There's like two congregations in every church anymore. Amen. Young snots. Hallelujah. So anyways... I, I thought, well, it's just kind of my luck, if I can say it that way, pardon me, the word luck, but I get the weird dog that has to sit on the back of the couch, whatever. So I'm traveling across the country, and I was in Minnesota at another pastor friend of mine. He's got a dog similar to mine, not exactly, but pretty close. And I'll be, if that dog doesn't jump up on the couch and then sit on the back. Well, my dog didn't call that dog and say, hey, let's sit on couches and sit on the back. <laughs> Hear me now. It's in the nature of the breed. It's in the nature of the breed. Man's sinful nature, he is drawn to sin. You don't have to teach him. It doesn't matter what God gives sinful man, they will use it to sin. You can give man a grain of wheat... And he won't just make bread with it. He'll ferment it and pickle his liver with it. You can give him a grape. He won't stop at grape juice. He'll turn it into wine and ruin himself with it. You can give man a plant. This, you understand, this repeats. My, my family my, is German. They used to make potato beer. So you give him, you understand, you know doesn't matter what you give man when he's living in sin. You give him a potato, he will ruin his life with it. I used to work in the prison ministries all the time and preach. They will go down, they'll get fruit from the commissary, bring back extra, put it in a plastic bag in their room, and turn it into liquor within a few days and begin to get drunk in the prison. They, you understand? This is sinful nature. 
Man is self-destructive. He is drawn to what hurts him. That's why God gave Cain and Abel a rock. It's just an inanimate object. And they used it to kill, he used it to kill his brother. That's sinful nature. That's why Jesus said, now is the axe laid to the root of the tree. That he would deal with the very nature of man. Replace that. That way man doesn't want, you're not supposed to want the sin. I shouldn't have to get between you and the sin on your own. You're not supposed to want it. Amen? Is everybody with me tonight? Now that's your, Let's go back to this renewed mind for just a little bit. Are you with me? Study the Apostle Peter for a few minutes. Go with me to Acts chapter 3. We'll pick it up here at verse um, 7. Acts chapter 3, verse 7. Familiar story. Peter and John, Jesus is gone. He's been resurrected now. He's gone up, ascended into heaven. Peter and John are making their way into the, into the, what we would call the temple or the church in order to go to afternoon prayer. On their way, they pass this guy who's lame and he's there begging alms. You have to remember in that day, the government, the Roman government especially, didn't care if you starved to death. Hi, Josh. Good to see you. Amen. Praise God. You still with him, huh? Hallelujah. Amen. Bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Sorry, just kind of beating friends. Praise the Lord. Anyways, so he's on his way up, and as Peter and John are headed, headed to prayer, this guy grabs him and he says, you know, alms, or can you help me? In other words, he's lame. He, there is no help for him. He's going to starve to death if God's people don't help him out of the kindness of their heart. So he's kind of waiting out at the entryway of the sanctuary as people come through. When he does, the Apostle Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold, most of you know this, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And man, the power of God hits those, those legs and they stretch out and up that guy comes. And this is the first time he's been more than three feet tall in his entire life. Amen? So that's where we're going to pick up this story. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand, Acts 3, 7, and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't have to go to a worship seminar or anything. Praise God. You, I tell you, you get, you get touched by God, you don't need lessons. Amen. You will know what to do. Hallelujah. Revival will teach you what you need. Praise God. Verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. In other words, they knew this is, we just walked by this guy 15 minutes ago. And, and he was begging. Some of them probably gave him something. And now when they come in, here he is. I mean, he's leaping, dancing and praising God and holding on to Peter and John. And I mean, they know God has just done a great miracle. Let's read on. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now, verse 11, as the lame man who held on to Peter and John, I guess you would hold on, wouldn't you? You never walked before? Wouldn't that be a great day? Uh, We need that back in the church today. Can you say amen? All the people ran together in the porch, which is called Solomon's, and they were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, and he begins to preach a great sermon. Now, I believe it's the New Living Translation that says, Peter seen his opportunity. You see, everybody's looking for something. When you're, when you're right with God, and God has done a miracle, and you see a crowd, and they're open, and their hearts are open, Peter saw this crowd, and he knew, game on, God is going to answer some prayers. I think modern-day preachers would have taken an offering, but Peter went after souls. Thank God for a good preacher. Amen. There's a time for offering. There's a time to gather souls. Amen. And Peter goes on and he preaches just a wonderful sermon. Skip with me, if you would, down to chapter 4, verse 1. You should read that on your own time. You, you read what he talks about. And he admits it's not because of me. That's what Peter basically says. One because of me is because of God. Verse, or chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, 
and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, we might say the, the temple security team, right? If you go to the, to the baseball stadium or you go to see basketball, they'll have a security team, correct? You went to the temple and that day it, they had their own guards, their own security that worked there. And that's who comes and they notice this big crowd is forming, but not in the church out there. Well, that wasn't something they were used to. Let's read on. And being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached Jesus, the, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. We'll come back to that. They laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. In other words, it's too late. Everybody who holds court has already gone home for the day. I guess those people never work any overtime. And so Peter and I don't know what to do with Peter, John, and this lame man. And so they put him in prison for the night. Aren't those precious church people? Hallelujah. They put him in church, or they put him in prison because it was already evening. Look at this, verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. That's why we need the power of God back in the church. Because it's the dinner bell for the sinner. The sinner sees the miracle. You and I believe by faith, but that gets their attention. Amen? That's why you need the healing anointing. I need the healing anointing. Yes, Yes, to help us, but to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Amen? We've got to have the power of God back in the local church. That... This 5,000, now you know on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord, correct? So now we have an additional 5,000 people. When Jesus met Peter, he said, follow me and I will make you. I'd say he kept his word. I'd say when Peter said yes to Jesus Christ, just like when you said yes to Jesus his call on your life. He, kept, he keeps his word. He meant it when he said, if you'll listen to me, I can make you so you could catch men. God kept his word to that simple fisherman. Now we're going to pause right there. I want you to go with me. Let's study for a little bit in John chapter 18. Now, if I was to say to you, you know, talk to me about Peter a little bit, you would say, well, you know, Peter made some mistakes, Brother Ray. Peter did make some mistakes. Amen? You're going to John chapter 18. Peter walked on water, but only for a while, and then he focused on the storm and he began to sink. Isn't that correct? Peter, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Then he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter stands up and he says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, no man showed you that, my Father in heaven. And then Jesus says, and I'm going to go to the cross and die. And Peter says, no, you're not. Not your brightest move, Peter. This has only been planned for 6,000 years. Maybe four at that time. And now you're going to... First you learn he's the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now you're going to tell him what to do. Not smart. Not smart. And yet, that probably wasn't the worst thing Peter did. I would have to say denying the Lord would be Peter's biggest blunder. Now, let's just study this a little bit because I want to bring this into context. In Jesus' day, the Jewish government has been overrun and fallen and the Romans have taken over the nation. So there are no Israeli governors and kings in charge of anything. The only people left with any authority have been the people in the temple because to the Romans, what do we care if you have a priest? A religious order. They, The Romans had a lot of gods. That didn't rock their world. The person in charge was a guy by the name of Caiaphas, or you might call it Caiaphas. I don't know, I never met him, so I'm just going to call it the way I lived with it. Hallelujah. So Caiaphas is there, he's got a father-in-law, his name is Annas, and they are basically running the temple. And in Israel, especially at that day, you have to understand they're it. As far as authorities go, they, they are ruling the day. They don't like Jesus, 
Just like I talked about earlier, because he's healing on the Sabbath. He's doing all these things, and they're not. You know, you get anointed. Be surprised how many people aren't shouting and in your, in your corner anymore. Hallelujah. That went over like a lead balloon. Praise God. <laughs> but that's where Jesus was living. And these, these religious people are jealous of him. And so they, they begin to work against him. Let, I just want to kind of, we're going to back up to go forward back to where Peter is. Amen. Just stick with me a little bit. John chapter 18. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a garden and he and his disciples entered. And Judas, everybody remembers Judas because Judas betrayed the Lord, right? That's what he's about to do. Also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Look at this. Judas, verse 3, having received a detachment of troops and officers from who? The chief priest. Now, the chief priest is Caiaphas. Judas is now working with the head of the temple in order to betray Jesus Christ. Caiaphas is so mad at Jesus for what he's doing, he can't kill him, so he talks, remember, Pilate and Herod into having him crucified. Right? We're going we're gonna to get to that part, but I just want you to see where Peter's living for just a little bit here. And the Pharisees came there with lanterns and torches, Jesus knowing, and it, it talks about all the things that happened that night. Verse 12, same chapter. Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus, bound him, and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. So you get the picture? Judas is working, but he doesn't have the authority or the, the, the support to take, to take Jesus down, so he is now working in tandem with Caiaphas. That's going to be important when we get back to the book of Acts. Okay? He's the high priest. Skip with me down, if you would, to um, verse 17. It says, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now, he's going, to, he's going to deny the Lord how many times that night? Three times before the rooster crows once in the morning. Here's what I want you to see. This is happening in Annas' house first, and then they transfer him to Caiaphas. Amen? That's going to become real important for where we're going, all right? When, when Peter denies the Lord, it doesn't just happen out in the field somewhere. It happens in these high priests' house. Verse 24. Then Annas, that's the first guy, the father-in-law, sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself... Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. Now this is in Caiaphas' house. First house, Annas, then they transfer him to Caiaphas. So the second time he denies the Lord is in Caiaphas' house, the high priest. Just stick with me. I know that doesn't make much sense yet, but it will as we move forward. Verse 26. One of the servant girls, a high priest... Of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off. Now, you think you live in a town where everybody knows your business. (laughs) Imagine Peter. He cuts off, you know, in the garden, he tries to defend the Lord. He grabs a sword, takes a swing at this guy, and he doesn't hit anything but his ear. Now, you realize that he is not aiming for his ear. Peter's a fisherman. This is not his best day. This is not his best move. Amen? When Jesus told him, go, go put a hook in the water and catch a fish, that's Peter. When, he said, when Peter grabs a sword and starts swinging, he's a bad shot. Nobody aims at an earlobe. Hallelujah. <laughs> Worse than that, when he comes in, this guy's cousin is guarding the door. That's a bad day. And so they know very well who he is. One of the servants, 26, of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off. What are the chances, huh? Did I, did I not see you in the garden with him? Then Peter denied again and immediately 
the rooster crowed. Goes on and it says that they led him from Caiaphas' house over to Pilate. You know the rest of the story. Go back with me, if you would, now to Acts chapter 4. That's going to become important. Because they bring Peter out the next morning. He's healed the lame man. Him and John, he's preached. 5,000 people have left Judaism. They've converted over to Christianity. He's had a great move of the Spirit. He's had this man get get healed. Then he's had these 5,000 people begin to convert. Uh, Things are looking up, but he gets arrested. They put him in prison for the night. We're going to pick it up here at verse 5. Acts chapter 4. And it came to pass on the next day, say first thing in the morning, that the rulers and elders and the scribes, look at this in verse 6. This is why we just went back to the book of John. As well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered there together at Jerusalem. Do you think Peter recognizes these people? Do you think he remembers these people? You know, sometimes when we get in church life, you have Christmas season, Easter season, and we separate out what wasn't really so separate originally. From the time when they yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and the whole palm tree, the palm branches, and he walks in with the mule. Remember that old story? That's only a few months ago. Most of them either were there or knew about what had happened. Right? Now, Peter especially remembers when they bring him out, he remembers all these people. And the fear. And the great intimidation. Can I say the dread? He remembers how vicious these people are. He saw how they took Jesus and whipped him down to the bone, literally. That, that cat and nine tails that they had, it had barbs and stuff on it. They didn't just leave stripes. They took flesh off of him. He was open and exposed all over his back. Peter saw every last bit of it. He remembers how vicious, how mean, how nasty these people are. They're not there to tease him and put him down. His life is on the line. And when they had set him, verse 7, and when they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now just pause. You talk about God is a God of the second chance. You talk about God can bring it around. No matter what you failed at in life, no matter what you didn't do right, no matter what your mistakes are, you, God has brought this entire situation back on around for Peter. And I'll tell you something, Peter's not the same Peter that they intimidated just a few months before. Because Peter, between that time, has been in the upper room. See, the first time Jesus said to him in the garden, he said, pray that you might not enter into temptation. And what did they do instead of pray? They slept. This time when, when Jesus, and that's why they all failed the Lord. This time when Jesus comes to them and he says, stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power, they listen. And when you listen to the Lord and you listen to your man of God, you're changed. Even if your life hasn't changed, you've changed. And coming up out of the prison cell that day was not the Peter they remembered from months before. He was a new man. They talk about his mind was renewed. He knew who he was now in Christ Jesus. He realized what Jesus had begun to do in his life. He recognized the change that had happened. Look at his response now. By what name or by what power have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers and elders of the people of Israel, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, and by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all. I tell you, he's preaching already. Let it, you want to know what I spent the night in prison because I helped a cripple? That's your problem? You want to know how how I thought you'd never ask how I did it. We are judged 
Verse 10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Now you understand what has just happened. Caiaphas has paid the Roman soldiers to deny the resurrection. Caiaphas is emptying the church accounts to get Judas to pay. He has the field he doesn't even want. Caiaphas is going broke trying to shut this down. Then they bring this. He's a fisherman. He's not even a preacher. He's not supposed to know this stuff. And in he comes. But he's been changed by the renewing of his mind and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And what he used to be afraid of yesterday, he's no longer afraid of anymore. See, when you hear Christ, it's almost like Jesus' title. That's not what they heard. Because from the closeout of the book of Malachi for 400 years, the priests had one job to prepare God's people for the coming Messiah. That's it. It was prophesied all the way from Genesis through. Moses, all of them said, there will come a prophet, a son of David. Isaiah talked about, and he will... He will, he will save these people from their sins. He'll be like David. And they had all these great expectations. And Peter stands up and said, the Messiah came and you killed him. Man, you can't cut the mic. You can't shut this guy. I mean, Caiaphas is standing there like a kid in front of a fire hydrant trying to close this thing off. And out it comes again. You understand, Peter's not one of them. He's a fisherman. He's, he's, I praise God for everybody. This really blesses me. God is the God of the common man. You don't have to rub shoulders with the right people. You don't have to have connections through your family. All you have to do is spend time with Jesus Christ. And in your prayer room, God begins to move in your life. He's a God of the common man. The, you know, a while ago I preached for this guy. He he had been the, the dean at one of the main Bible schools for the nation. And he asked me to come into his church. He had a church down in Georgia. He said, yeah, I want you to come in and preach. So I go in to preach on the on the Minister of Helps. But, you know, I was honestly, I'm a little intimidated. Because like this whole church knows all the isms. Calvinism and Armenianism and all the early church reformation. And are you a reformed Calvinist or a five-point Calvinist? I mean, I'm like... I'm just glad I'm not going to hell. Leave Brother Ray alone. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just fat, dumb, and happy. Hallelujah. I'm just glad to be here. Glad I'm not burning in hell forever. Hey, hey, would you come in and preach? And I show up and the pastor's gone and I'm filling in. I, I thank God for God. I'm the plane's coming in to land. I'm starting to, God, what am I going to say? He said, I want you to get up there and talk about servanthood and how that has brought the anointing on your life. Tell them your story. I got up. I taught on the minister of helps. The meeting went well. About two weeks later, this pastor, Dean, calls me. He says, what have you done to my church? (laughs) Well, that can go a couple of ways. Said, I don't know, what have I done to your church? He said, Ray, he said, I've got people outside waiting to greet me when I pull up. They open my door, they bring my wife and I in, they got umbrellas if it's raining, they're working in the nursery, they're cleaning the sanctuary. He said, I never had this before. I said, that's called the anointing. And that's not an ism. And it's not a knowledge. It's from being within the presence of Jesus Christ. And it changed my life forever. I might not understand the earlier reformers, but I know the Spirit of God. I might not understand all of the isms, but I know Jesus Christ. You understand? A few years before this takes place, Peter's hands are guts and scales from cleaning fish. He's a, he. He's a fisherman. I thank God for all the different things that God does. But it's just like God to touch your life and then to push you out in front of society and say, tell your story. Just tell your story, fisher boy. 
Tell them what God has done to your life. Tell them the goodness of the Almighty. Tell them what He can do. I've told this story here before. I'm going to tell it again because it makes me feel better. One of my favorite sermons was preached by a 12-year-old little girl. Her father had been an alcoholic, and she, he had gotten saved, got right with God. And uh, they went to the store to get some groceries and stuff, popcorn and whatnot, see kind of a movie night back home. And they ran into her dad's old drinking buddies at the store. And so her father... They said, you know, you want to come drinking with us? We're all headed to the bar. He said, no. He said, you guys know I don't do that anymore. No, come on with us. No, we don't want to. And, you know, he took his little girl and they they left. And she went over around the corner to get a few candy bars or whatever. And her dad was getting whatever. And and she ran into those guys. And they said, tell us, little girl, did Jesus turn water into wine in your house? Alcohol. You know how they mock. She said, no, sir. Jesus turned wine into food. Because Dad never had any money when he went drinking with you all the time. And now he's got money and there's food in our fridge. And Jesus turned wine into heat. Our, our bills are paid and our heat isn't cut off anymore. And Jesus turned wine into peace. Mom and Dad don't fight anymore in our house. That's what Jesus did on our life. The man who's been touched by the power of God has more to say than the man who just knows about. John chapter 1, John the Apostle, also a fisherman, says this, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. What changed those simple common men? It wasn't a class, it wasn't an ology, it wasn't an ism. It was the presence of God Almighty walking among them. And that glory got off on their lives and it began to change them into what God wanted them to be. See, you have to press in close enough to God till you have an encounter with the Almighty. Where He creases your life. He touches your soul. You have a dream in the night. You see a vision. He begins to talk to you during the day. I don't care how He does it. It's none of my business. But He does things that begin to crease your soul. Until then, this is Pastor Samples Church. This is Brother Ray's message. This is a nice little sermon. But when He comes in your room, when He marks you, when He begins to talk to you, when you hear His voice for the first time that He wants you, it changes everything about you. And you go from Simon into the Peter you were called to be. You change over. It's it by that empowerment you become who he died for you to be. You don't stay the same forever. I, I tell my story all the time. Maybe you're tired of hearing it. I don't care. I was minding my own business. I got born again, gave my life to Jesus Christ, minding my own business, eating a peanut butter sandwich on toast. Peanut butter on toast, prosperity, hallelujah. Reading my Bible, sitting on the floor, Indian leg style, and the Spirit of the Lord came in, and I began to fall back, and I said, not now, Lord, my milk's going to get warm. I was, we didn't do this in the Lutheran church. That's the day the Lord began to call me and talk to me about going into the ministry. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, my wife Janine and I were just dating at the time, you know, courting. We weren't even married back. You know, we're talking way back in the caves. Hallelujah. We just <laughs> carved on the wall. Couldn't even, you know, English language wasn't even developed yet. Praise God. And, and so I, I went to go tell her I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was about 1130 at night. And as I'm walking along, as God is my witness. Walking along outside, and the stars in the sky begin to rearrange themselves. And they move from just common stars, and they form a perfect cross, and then they flash into a seven, and then a perfect cross, and then like, like the hazard lights would on your car if you turned them on. I don't have any fear, but I don't have any understanding either. I don't know what in the world is going on here. We didn't do this in the Lutheran church. You people freaked me out. I went over and saw her that night, and I said, you know, hey, it's, it's happened. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. She was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, too. I, didn't, I said, you know, here's what I saw on the way over here. i got to go pray about it. I have no idea what's going on. Seven nights from that night, Janine got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was 
Amen. Clap good if you're going to clap. It was the beginnings of God teaching me how to flow with Him. It was the beginning of God taking a common man. My, my dad's a farmer. I, I can so relate to Peter. I don't rub shoulders with the right people. My family doesn't have connections in the city. We don't know anybody who knows anybody who has connections in the city. All I know is I was minding my own business eating a peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) Sitting on the floor, glad to know I wasn't going to go to hell. And in the middle of that, this person, Jesus Christ, walked into my bedroom and changed everything about me. I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. But each person in the church has to press into a part where Jesus Christ touches your life. Begins to change you into who He wants you to become. You know, I was... I got hired on staff. You mentioned I work for Dr. Barkley. You know, I got hired on staff. And, and I was just... You know, understand, I was new to this. Right? Remember when raising your hands felt like it would put you on YouTube? It's like the whole world is watching. For the record, nobody's watching you. Just go enjoy God. But you know, at first you can only raise your hands like this, and then maybe... And then, you know what I mean? And then you free up. But it takes a while. So, well, you know, nowadays everybody of the Holy Ghost so quick. Back then, I had to unlearn a bunch of things and then learn them right. So I got... <laughs> pastor put me on staff and I was in church working for him and he, he says to me, we were having a Holy Spirit conference like they have in San Diego, but this one was in Midland. He says, Ray Bench, come up front, the Holy Spirit's going to touch you. Well, I went up front and he said, you know, raise your hands, nothing. I mean, you know, Josh, I don't like being in front of people anyways. Now this is double bad, right? Because God ain't up here. I promise you. I'm looking for Him. Finally, I am so nervous. I am so stiff. Thank God for God. Out of the kindness of His heart, Pastor says, spin around about three times. I came around that third time. Do you ever tickle a little kid like a toddler and just come up behind him and get him by the ribs real good? These big hands, I don't know whose they were. God's, Gabriel's, no one told me. There's these... God is my witness. I promise you this is what happened. These big fingers grabbed my sides from my hip bone up under and just started tickling me like And I am laughing and spinning around and I am laughing, spinning around. And I am up on the platform like that and I go over and the Holy Ghost, wham! I hit the ground like a sack of salt. Wham! But when I did, I bounced and my head was hanging over the edge of the platform. Now, Bill Bailey in our church is the most organized, somber brother you have met until the Holy Ghost hits. Then he is like Clark Kent coming out of the phone booth, brother. Now we're really stretching some of you. Google it. Hallelujah. He, I'm telling you, Bill Bailey grabs my ankles and drags me back to the center. I have a rug burn on my head. Explain that to your mother the next morning. In her Lutheranisms. <laughs> Hear me. These things are just as real as you are looking at me. I promise you, these things began to happen in my life. He began to do, just like Acts chapter 1 says, and through many infallible proofs. What's that mean? He showed them who He was. John 14 says, If any man comes to Me and keeps My commandments, My Father and I will come to him and we will manifest ourselves. We will show you who we are. This is what we need back in the local church. We need people touched by the glory. I thank God for everything we do. But you know, this is why you don't need a smoke machine and a light show. You need a move of the Spirit. You need a God-ordained, Jesus Christ-ordained God calling you out and reading your mail encounter with Jesus Christ. 
That's why you have to press into the things of God. That's why you have to lay away aside every weight that so easily besets you. That's why you got to go home and organize your life to make not just one service, but all the church services and seek God. Look at, look at Peter's, look at Peter's life. He made, brother, he was a blunder. Swinging swords at people, Jesus had to say, stop it. Trying to tell Jesus not to go to the cross, Jesus calls him the devil. Trying to walk on water, next thing he's looking up from the bottom of the ocean. You understand? This is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But he loves God with all of his heart, just like you do. And he finally figures out, if I'll just listen, if I'll just do what I am taught, the power of God will come upon me. And it changed his life forever. That's what I'm here to talk to you about tonight. In the, in the renewing of their minds, in the power of the Holy Spirit, what do you? We can't we can't be a church without the power and just a lot of nice theology. We need these kind of God-given encounters with Jesus Christ. We need these times where He visits us. Close your eyes, raise your hand, everybody. If you're hungry for a move of the Spirit, say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. It's, it's time now. I'm hungry for you. Lord Jesus, it's time now. I'm thirsty for you. I'm laying aside all my sin, all my distractions, and I am turning my focus hard after the things of God. Visit me, O oh God. Change me, Lord Jesus. Do in me what I see you've done in these scriptures to where I'm changed. My situation might be the same, but I'm a different man. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Would you give the Lord a good hand clap tonight? Thank you for your time. Thank you, Pastor, for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.